You're listening to the Morrowology Podcast. It's all about Morrow County, Ohio. I'm really glad I stayed till the end for this one. In the studio today is your hosts, Mike Wilson and Joey Powell. Mike Amos! Yo, Joey. How are you, good sir? Hot. I know. <laughs> I don't know why we did this. Why did we come here in the summer to the Historical Society to record? I don't know why we did that. It, it, it's, it's a way to lose weight for me. Yeah, in a sauna. We're in a sauna here. Sauna, yeah. So, uh, Mike, we have a special guest today. We're going to do things out of order. Oh, no. Uh, I'll yeah. be lost. Well, uh, that's not going to be any different than normal. Um, we have today our special guest, uh, Jody Keller. She's the Associate Director of Healthcare System Emergency Preparedness at the uh, Central Ohio Trauma Systems in Columbus. Jody, are you with us? I'm here. Hey. Thanks, guys. Welcome, welcome. Thank so, Miss Jody, you and I go back a little ways. We do. Um, why don't you tell the fun folks of Morrow County what you do and how you impact their lives without them not even knowing? Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. So, um, I am the regional healthcare coordinator for Central Ohio. So I have the 15 counties in Central Ohio, which does include Morrow County, um, and Columbus would be my biggest city. Um, so I have 15 counties, 27 hospitals, hundreds and hundreds of long-term care facilities, dialysis centers, EMS, public health, the hospitals, um, nursing, other nursing facilities, free clinics, all those form our regional health care coalition and it's a coalition of all those partners that come together to work um, on response for any kind of disaster so whether it's a weather event or a power outage an evacuation of a long-term care facility or covid that we've been doing for the last you know two and a half years um those healthcare facilities come together to work together because um, we really need the strongest possible coalition because the weakest link just brings everything down and, and makes everybody have to work harder. So if we have everybody prepped up and working hard and on the same page, then that just makes us a much stronger coalition. Now, um, one way I would like to describe what Jody does is herding cats. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, between the 15 different counties and then all of the entities between there, that is a full-time job. And I've got to say, you know, we've had some rather large events in my uh, big boy job um, that we have worked together on. Um, yes. And, uh, well, are, can we talk about a little bit about Red, White, and Boom? Is that something we're allowed to talk about? Sure, yeah. Without giving so, something away? That's just something that's a, a huge fun event that we could talk about and the kind of the preparations without giving away any secrets. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, so that, yes, there is some sort of security that we've tried to keep in, um, some of our details, you know, under wraps, but we do prepare for large events such as red, white, and boom ahead of time. So we just had a meeting this past week about red, white, and boom and how we will handle some kind of bad thing if it should happen on the healthcare side. So law enforcement and fire and EMS, they do their planning, and then we do our planning on the healthcare side for how we would handle a no-notice mass casualty event should something bad happen. So we, but we bring those partners into our meeting. So we bring law enforcement into that meeting. We bring fire and EMS into that meeting. We bring the emergency management agency into that meeting because we want to all be prepared on the same page, and we want to know what everybody's doing collectively so that there really are no surprises. Everybody's aware of what the other um, team is doing so that we're all just really on the same page and focused on what we're going to do. We will look at available beds throughout the day. Um, our hospitals will report to us how many available ICU beds they have, how many available um, med surge beds they have. They'll report to us how busy their emergency department is throughout the day so that EMS can see that in their system. So they'll know 
okay, already, you know, Mount Carmel East is already busy. So we know maybe we don't take our first victims to Mount Carmel East. We know we're going to try to spread the wealth around the city, and we have plans in place for that as well. We put those plans in place during COVID, and we will expand those out for other things. Our transfer centers at our large health systems, so OSU, Mount Carmel, Ohio Health, and Children's, all work together for what we call the SOC or the Surge Operations Call Center, and they will load balance the patient so that we try not to overwhelm any one hospital or any one system in Columbus. And I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that means, knowing that, you know, you don't take all of, uh, if there's an active shooter situation, you're going to take all of those patients right. to OSU or to Grant Medical Center. Right. So Grant and OSU are our level one trauma centers. Um, Riverside and Mount Carmel East are our level two trauma centers. OSU East is a level three trauma center. And Nationwide Children's is our pediatric level one trauma center. Grant sits, you know, virtually two blocks away from where all of Red, White, and Boone happens. And people will, if something bad happens, run to Grant. So we know we don't, Grant will already be overwhelmed. We don't want to take them, not every patient can go there. So we do really try to load balance the patients around. Um, And we're fortunate within Columbus that we have so many facilities that we're able to do that and, and try not to get all of the level one traumas at one spot. Yeah, and that's um, that's a blessing, especially to those uh, bigger campuses that could easily get overwhelmed. Because you know, uh, the rural areas where you know we live in Morrow County and yeah. where you live, um, they are you know there's hospitals, but they're not trauma centers. Uh, they're Correct. more the stop, stabilize, and ship to those right. other large facilities. And uh, you know, you do a lot of planning there with them as well. Um, yeah, and I. Um, I'm just going to lead the conversation here, I guess, is we do an annual uh, drill to prepare for certain types of events. So do you have one? Are you guys actually already did yours this year, right? Yes, we did that in March. Yeah, so so it works the same, same but different for our rural hospitals. They pretty much are the only game in town. So Morrow County Hospital, if the bad thing happens, you know, in Morrow County, the, hosp- the patients are, for the most part, coming to Morrow County, maybe to Marion, maybe into Mansfield. But Morrow Mar- County is going to get a lot of patients just because of the turnaround time for EMS. And then we'd activate the SOC in Columbus, and we would help load balance patients from Morrow County. So I would deactivate um, the Hill, which is m- myself and my staff. There are five of us that are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and it's the healthcare incident liaison, we would help with that load balancing, and we would help get those patients moved into the Columbus hospitals or into the Cleveland hospitals or wherever we needed to get them to go. Um, but we help with that from the rural hospitals as well. Yeah, and um, Mike, I know I'm kind of leading the conversation. Oh, here. Do fine, you have any fine. questions for Jody so far? Uh, no, she's been explaining things very well. What were the steps that you took uh, during COVID as far as uh, – what did you do with COVID? I know Can you remember you- back that far, Jody? <laughs> Gosh. You know, it, it, I do have to remind myself sometimes what all we have done during COVID. Um, we, it, 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 we worked many, many hours, that's for sure. There were days when it was 17-hour days. Um, there were days when it was just I – can, I can give you some numbers here because I prepared some numbers. I went back and pulled numbers. So we did – 1,185 situation reports over the last two and a half years. And those situation reports are for who? So the the situation report would be me pulling all of the data that the hospitals report to us. So are their command centers open? Have they locked down their facilities? Um, How many med surge beds we have in the region? How many ICU beds we have in the region? Whose emergency room is already crazy busy at a red level? Who's on diversion? All of those pieces get pulled and and put into one situation report and shared out with all of our partners so everybody knows what what does healthcare look like in the central region. And there were many days during COVID we had zero beds. Yeah. Zero. 
And I was just going to say there were times when, you know, we couldn't move patients at all. Yeah, um, at all. You know, even here yeah. at Morrow County Hospital, that it's not, it's a critical access hospital. So it is like the bottom step for a hospital. And then you go to a, uh, an, a, a, a hospital, right? Not a critical access, yeah. but an actual uh, right. acute care hospital. And yeah. we couldn't move patients. You know, they couldn't yeah. get to a larger hospital. And actually, Jody, yeah. I think there were instances where some of the bigger hospitals were sending patients to Morrow County. We did have um, some kind of a re- reverse movement of patients where we needed to get the sickest of the sick to our tertiary care hospitals in Columbus. So we had to offload some patients from Columbus to some of our rural hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been it, COVID for sure. You know, we, we had a, I think I actually worked with you on it back in the day. We had a pandemic plan. And yeah. uh, it was for yeah. influenza, and it was a good start, but it really wasn't good for COVID. Yeah, yeah. There were so many things with COVID that were exactly how we planned it or exactly how we thought it would go. And then there were other things with COVID. It was like, wow, this is not how we thought this would go. And we, we both got the awesome job to be the sky is falling people and to mm-hmm. think worst case yeah. scenario and then plan for yeah. that. And, you know, what? Some of the fun things that we've done in the past is we've um, we've done mass shootings or bombings at uh, like Maffrey Stadium, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then all of the regional hospitals have gotten their own victims. I'm using air quotes, victims. And we used moulage kits. So, you know, the show glass or broken okay. bones. And, um, and, we, and we played and they actually went into the emergency room and the nursing and physician teams had to go and actually treat, and I'm using air quotes again, mm-hmm. treat those patients and process those patients and do the influx because part of the standards for healthcare is uh, for joint commission. And, and now CMS has really bulked up on those since the beginning of COVID. You have to meet so many standards for emergency preparedness. And one of those is an influx to your emergency department. Yeah. And so yeah. Jody and her team annually put together a big drill where that is simulated um, and that, you know, we, we get different agencies involved and, and things like that. So, um, Jody, you've been doing this for, I know, longer than 15 years, right? So I've been at COTS for 10 years, but I, when I was at Bucyrus, um, I had been doing it for about seven years before I moved to COTS. Okay. So I was pretty close with 15. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what by far has been the most rewarding part of your job that you you feel like, you know what, I've really made an impact, and if this is the last thing I did in this career, then I would be okay with that? So I'm really, really proud of the COVID response. Um, you know, it was a challenge. It was a challenge for everybody. I'm proud of our small hospitals. As you were saying, you know, our small hospitals are not used to keeping really, really sick patients. They're used to transferring those patients out. And they're not used to having um, a lot of ventilator patients. I had small critical access hospitals that every ICU bed they had was full of a ventilator COVID patient. And they just stepped up and they took care of it. Um, you know, Jody, team, just to, just to th- yeah. throw this out, you have a nursing background. And ventilator yeah. patients are usually one-to-one, if not one-to-two, right? Yes, yes, yes. So that take, yeah, that's, that's a lot that's for a, a patient. Lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It, they required a lot of care. Yeah. yeah. We pulled together, you know, subject matter experts from our hospitals in Columbus, and we had um, peer-to-peer phone calls where those subject matter experts and infectious disease docs would talk about, okay, here's what you need to do to care for this patient, or this is how we're going to prescribe this um, antiviral medication to our COVID patients. And this is working for us, but this isn't working for us. And try this today. This, is, this seems to be where we're going with this. We've done some trials, and this seems to be doing well. This is how we're going to set up our vaccine clinic for our, patient, for our staff. Um, you know, we ha- we've had plans in place for our hospitals to do what's called a pod or a point of distribution site where the hospitals would give vaccines or antibiotics to their staff and their staff's family members, but none of their plans ever were written to be able to do 
that same thing for the public. So our hospitals were asked very early on to step up and do testing for the public, to step up and do vaccines for the public, and then to step up and do these antivirals for the public as outpatients. They just, they stepped up and, and completed every ask every time. And they just, you know, they were just so flexible and on the fly could come up with these plans. And I think part of it was because we had good, solid base plans in place that could be tweaked and incorporated, whether it was a large hospital or small hospital, to what, what the challenge of the day was. I think that is probably the most accurate statement that I've heard is what the challenge of the day was. Yeah. So I can remember yeah, working really was. 21 16-hour days at the beginning of COVID. Yep, yep. And I can remember literally by the time we got something finished and, and in place, it had already changed and we had to start changed. over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. So um, can you uh, – we have just a few minutes left here. Can you can you tell us about something that uh, – an actual real-world event or something that you're planning, you're working on that uh, um, you may you may need help on or that you just want to get word out about or something like that? Yeah, can we talk about the eclipse? Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with this. <laughs> Mike's looking puzzled. I don't think he knows about the eclipse in 2024. Okay, so yeah, um, April 8th, 2024, which sounds like a long time away, right? Um, it's less than two years away. A, yeah, way less than two years. Um, there's going to be a total solar eclipse that will come through Ohio um, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it will impact the majority of the northern two-thirds of the state. Um, and when I say impact, I mean, like, for this five minutes when we're under total solar darkness, um, there will be, the impact will last, will be for days. So we're anticipating, and the numbers are based on population, current population, and what other states have seen in recent eclipses. So if I look at Myro County, has a population of 34,950 people today. The anticipated number of um, travelers that will come in is 69,900. That's in addition to the 34,000. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing the total to about 90, no, about 100,000, right? Yeah. So, um, and Morrow County will be in the full totality of the eclipse. They're in that swath of the state. Um, where they're expected to be in the full totality for those those few minutes. And there are 35 counties that fall into that full totality mode. So you're working on this with uh, the state currently, right? We are, yes. And, and, do, and the um, local EMAs and, and such on, on yes. preparing for this? And you have been for a little yes. while. Yes. Yeah, so w- one of the biggest concerns is traffic. Um, Ohio is um, within 70% of the country can get drive to Ohio within 24 hours. It's a one day's drive for 70% of the country to get to Ohio. Um, and the next full solar eclipse for Ohio is not until 2444. I'll so, be gone. I'll, yeah, I'll be yeah gone. we'll all be gone. I'll be here. <laughs> Yeah, Mike will still be here. He'll be here with the cockroaches and Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> but but traffic is a big concern. So traffic, um, not only with the people coming into Ohio, which will impact every county in the state, not all, not just those in that total eclipse zone, but every county is going to have impact with traffic. But so how does that impact, you know, EMS getting to the hospital? If the roads are totally congested with cars, because people will just pull over alongside the road, right? So how am I going to get EMS to my hospitals? How am I going to get staff to my hospitals? If this happens at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 
that's change a shift for my hospitals or long-term care facilities. You know, we're going to have to try to get supplies in days ahead of time because we may not be able to get deliveries. Gas stations are probably going to run out of gas, and then so staff are going to have to get their gas way ahead of time. Hotel rooms in Crawford County and in Hardin County are already all booked for this date. So I wish you could see Mike's face right now because he is just like <laughs> flabbergasted over here by this. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. this, this sounds absolutely normal to me. So yeah. um, so what would you tell our uh, listeners here about uh, the planning on the eclipse or things that they should do or, or, you know, like should they put a sign in their yard parking $10 or, you know, what's... Well, so a lot of people will do that. We've learned that from the past eclipse, the one in Oregon and Kentucky. Um, there are already farmers that are calling their local EMA saying, um, I'm not even going to plant my fields that year. I'm going to rent out spaces for um, temporary campgrounds, which I is love another it. public Mike health is, issue. Mike is just like shaking his He can't believe this. Yeah. So we have public health issues here, right? So you know, um, food trucks and and just people trying to sell food alongside the road and things like that. So we're concerned with outbreaks and, and you know, stomach viruses and things from that. Um, eye protection. So I I would, if I was going to tell your, your listeners anything, I would say, one, find the appropriate eye protection now because the closer we get to this, this event – that appropriate eye protection is going to be really hard to find. Um, and two, if you're really interested in this and looking, you know, for some updated information, go to the Ohio website. Ohio has already created a solar eclipse website. Um, and I need to look for that for you for that. But, um, yeah, so there's a there's already a website out there. I, I think if you just Google Ohio Solar Eclipse, it'll come up, and it'll give you all kinds of information. It will also tell you what's the appropriate eye protection to use to protect your eyes. Not your regular glasses. Not your regular glasses, not sunglasses. It's going to take, you know, really protective eyewear for that. So, all right, well, we're closing in on our time here, Jody. What last-minute things would you like to... Uh, to leave us with here uh, or that you'd like to share or maybe something fun that you're working on besides the eclipse that you might have? <laughs> um, I would just tell everybody, you know, with the, what, what the world is like now um, and the things that we're dealing with now is far different than the things that I started with 17 years ago planning for. Um, if you see something, say something, you hear that all the time, but it's so true. And if you're, if you're out in public and you're in, uh, you know, areas where there's a lot of people around, just be aware of your surroundings. You know, just, just know where your exits are. Know, take, take a CPR class, but really take a stop the bleed class. That can save lives. It doesn't have to be a shooter situation. It could be a farm situation. It could be an accident at home. It could be a, a traffic accident where you need to know how to control bleeding and how to put a tourniquet on. That is uh, a very good piece of advice. I carry a Stop the Bleed kit with me in my backpack, yep. in my me car too. all the time, uh, yep. as well as my hard hat and gloves and all that good stuff. So um, the website for Ohio is eclipse.ohio.gov. If you are interested, go to Eclipse. Ohio.gov and it will give you a ton of different things here. There's uh, four tabs across the top, and it gives you some information about what it is. And uh, the countdown is one year, 312 days, and 20 hours until the eclipse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ohio EMA is working on that. So locally here, guys, uh, in Morrow County, you have your health care um, coalition folks. So uh, Morrow County Hospital is a part of that as well as Jody from Cots, And then you have John Harsh, who is our county EMA director for Morrow County, um, who will also be working um, diligently to make sure that we are prepared and ready uh, with fire, EMS, and law enforcement to make sure that the community is as safe as possible. And you heard it here, folks. Uh, we're expecting a 
influx of, you know, 60,000 people um, yep. plus, which will bring the total for that time period of greater than 100,000 people here in Morrow County, which is, uh, that's going to be huge. Mike, you might want to buy a restaurant and get that up and going for the day. Because <laughs> um, it's going to be busy. I mean, I got a movie theater, but I don't know if people are going to want to see a movie. Uh, maybe the day after tomorrow we'll play that or something. That'd be kind of be cool. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Jody, hey, I appreciate you joining us. Um, very educational. Um, hopefully our listeners enjoyed it. And uh, I'm betting that we're going to get somebody to ask to bring you back. Oh, that'd be excellent. I'm happy to do that. And thanks for having me, guys. Hey, not a problem. Thanks again. Thanks, Jody. Yes, you're welcome. All right. You take care, and uh, I'll see you on the flip side here, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, take care. care. Bye. Bye. Join us for Freedom Fest Ohio, July 1st and 2nd, 2022 at the Morrow County Fairgrounds, brought to you by Finley Entertainment. Celebrate freedom with the Nate Williams Band, Austin French, and headliner Crowder on July 1st, Friday night, starting at 6.30 p.m., then on Saturday, July 2nd, Join Scott Stevens, Heath Sanders, Rodney Atkins, and headliner Justin Moore. Tickets are on sale now. Visit FreedomFestOhio.com. Well, Micamus, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I told you I had an awesome guest. I, I know that you know they need to prepare for the worst, but can it really be that bad? <laughs> if you prepare for the worst, everything else will be a piece of cake. That's true. That's true. If you have infrastructure in place, supplies in place, and people in place, you can handle anything. That's the way, that is the philosophy with emergency management. Um, but I thought that would be an awesome, uh, I thought Jody would be an awesome guest, especially with the uh, planning for the eclipse in 2024. Yeah, I think you were kind of leading up to that from the beginning. I was, I was. <laughs> that might have been uh, planned here. So, Mike, now let's go back to what we normally do first. Okay, here we go. So, coming up uh, tomorrow night, just to let you all know, there's a fun little thing going on where you are. your help is needed to uh, reach, uh, to help Morrow County grow. So, Angela, the... Director of the Morrow County Chamber of Commerce is hosting a community input meeting at Cardington Lincoln High School tomorrow night at 6. And basically what they're doing is give us input about Morrow County. What do we need? What, um, where do we need to go? Uh, what are your ideas on um, basically anything? I mean, I don't think she's going to throw anything out um, that's too crazy. Um, but that's tomorrow night at 6 at Cardington um, High School. Uh, June 6th at 4 p.m. is the pizza fundraiser uh, for the um, Mount Gilead Police Department, I believe. It is for their uh, cadet program as a fundraiser for that. And that is going to be at Pizzaburg, which is down across from the fairgrounds. It's from 4 to 7.30 p.m. So that'll be pretty awesome. Uh, and it's a good program. I've actually seen a couple of the cadets at some accidents and doing helping do some traffic control stuff. And it's kind of cool. You know, if they've got an interest, why not get them into that realm and make sure that it's really what they want to do before they spend the expense to get their OPATA certification and such. Um, coming up this Sunday, Mike, auditions for Susical the Musical, the 5th of June and the 6th of June. It's a Sunday, Monday, starts at 6 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School on the stage. Are you prepared, sir? Me, 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 me. No, you're not prepared. All right, so uh, have a song ready, like a minute, minute 30. Uh, be prepared to dance, so no flip-flops. Uh, we'll teach you a small, easy dance. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, bring a water bottle because I'm sure you're going to need one and then be prepared to read a bunch of um, cold lines. So you may be reading um, for a character that you're not going to play at all or you have no interest. What we're trying to do is we ask pe the same people uh, to read multiple script um, cuts just so we can get a feel for everybody and uh, what they might be interested in and look for any chemistry if it's needed. This Saturday, uh, that's the 5th of June, at 11 a.m. is a free produce distribution at, third, at 6385 State Route 314. 
And, oh, Highland Color Run is also on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. at the park. And uh, that's going to be fun. So, Mike, if you're going to do the 5K, that would be fun. You can walk it. I can do Special K. <laughs> you like that cereal? I've never tried it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like the cereal. cereal. They have the Special K with strawberries. It's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, really, it's good. Um, let's see here. Yoga in Bloom. I'm waiting for you to say, oh, I love yoga. You, you didn't say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I'll, in, uh, I'll do that while I'm eating my special K. <laughs> it's in uh, Pop's Yoga Garden. Pop and Gigi's Flower Garden, sorry. Not Yoga Garden, Flower Garden. Um, that is this Saturday at 8.30 in the morning. There's a lot going on this weekend, this coming weekend. So, um, oh, Jamie Zeger. You know who Jamie Zeger is? Oh, yes, I know. She laughs at my jokes. I like it. I like Jamie. Sometimes she laughs at your jokes. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm at home and I know that she's at work, I can hear her eyes roll as she's <laughs> listening to our show. There's a lot of that. And I'm betting you right now her eyes are rolling because we're talking about her. Probably. But that's okay. Um, Mike, she's listening. Have you ever seen the, sh- the musical Chicago? Uh, no, I haven't. So the it takes place in I think the forties twenties twenties I think anyway in Chicago, uh New York I think oh okay no maybe <laughs> Chicago maybe it is Chicago yeah anyway sorry that's the name Chicago yeah you know okay. sorry it's been a long day um it's a musical it's a great time it was actually put on uh, in a movie form a couple years ago with Richard Gere uh, Queen Latifah. Um, oh, um, Catherine Zeta Jones, and there was, um, oh, I can't think of the blonde lady. Um, oh, I can see her anyway. Uh, it's a very good show, and normally I would not, um, push another theater company on the podcast, but I'm going to because my friend Jamie Zeger is playing Matron Mama Morton, she plays the warden in the women's prison. And uh, so she's in the show up at Galleon Community Theater, and tickets go on sale very soon. And uh, it's Friday, June 17th, Saturday, June 18th, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 24th, 5th, and 6th in in Galleon, I'm sorry. Um, Tickets go on soon, so if you Google Galleon Community Theater, you'll pull it up, or you can actually find it on our Facebook page. I love the musical. It's got great music. Um, and the fact that there's some Morrow County talent on there uh, or in there is just a, a plus, really. Um, on June 30th, it's a Thursday at 10 a.m., the Ohio Bird Sanctuary is doing a summer reading event at, uh, in Chesterville. I believe that is a, at the Sullivan Library. And then also at the Sullivan Library, I believe, is the Lunch and Learn. It's science. And it starts on Friday, June 17th at noon at Sullivan Library. Stitch and Wine, June 8th at 6 p.m. That's a Wednesday, and that's going to be at Bunker's Mill in Cardington. Science Experiment Day is at uh, the Mount Gilead Public Library. And that is uh, the Annex, I'm sorry, the Mount Gilead Public Library Annex. So that's the old library for those that have been around for a while or the older building that sits across the little alleyway there. And uh, that's Monday, June 13th at 3 p.m. Board member Rhonda Detra and her husband Pete will uh, be sharing water-based science experiments with us. There will also be stations for hands-on activities. And I believe you do need to register for this one. So find our website, click on the link, and get registered. And then this one goes out to Russ Mayer, our buddy and pal. He sent me the Morrow County Farm Bureau Agricultural Tour. starts on June 18th at 1 p.m. It's going to start at 6748 County Road 9 in Edison. That is Boundary, and we know why it's called Boundary. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see here. Pop-up shops in the village of Mount Gilead, Saturday, June 11th, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Unique shopping experience there at the village gathering place. And then, Duke, have you been out to uh, 95? And Well, of course you have. Have you been out there to the new Duke station, though? Uh, I've seen it. Since they moved it. I've seen yeah. it, and, and uh, the grand opening was is tomorrow. It, well, June 1st. Yeah, tomorrow at 7 a.m. Yes. 
and uh, it's going to be pretty cool. I went in the store already, and I like it's just it's neat. It's not like any other Duke station I've been in, so that's pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Pizza Hut has their uh, cruise and dine in June eighth. That's this Wednesday or next Wednesday. I mean, um, at five p.m. And Mike, I think that's all that I have. Well, I brought up uh, friends of Cardington here and a couple things down in down in Cardington. Oh, good. Um, I I didn't bring that page up. The friends of Cardington will have their annual car show on June twenty fifth, starting at nine. Uh, you can go to Friends of Cardington Facebook page to um, get the details on that if you want to show a car or, um, or know more about what's going on that day. And I had another one here. Let's see. Oh, that'll be in conjunction with the uh, Cardington Street Fair that day as well. And the Cardington, make sure this is this year. Cardington Community Garage slash Yard Sale will be June 18th, starting from going from 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. So there are a couple more things, Joey, that uh, slip through your fingers. Yeah, well, I mean, so we go, it's either feast or famine here. I can't find anything on Facebook, and then I find a ton of stuff, and I have to weed through what might have already passed or what's not in Morrow County. Cause that's the other thing. If I choose local, I don't always get local stuff. Hey Mike, this weekend is the second weekend though for Top Gun Maverick at oh, the Capitol theater okay. right across the street from us. And can I tell you that last weekend we sat over 500 people. Really? Yes. Really? And one of the best showings. And Tom Cruise until this past weekend had never had a hundred thousand, a hundred million uh, had a film that grossed over a hundred million dollars in the opening weekend. Wow! Yeah. Yes. And you know how much he grossed? Uh, tell me how much. Well, not how much he grossed, but how much the movie grossed? A hundred and fifty-six million dollars. Wow! In just one weekend. I got to get into movies. Well, there's a lot of bummers in movies too. This just happened. I mean, think about how long he's been doing movies, and this is the first one. That uh, you know has really do it. And, you know he he has a he actually talks to the audience um, prior to the movie. And, and uh, it's Keith Sparks added some extra sparkle to this. He did. I was getting <laughs> ready to get to that. So last weekend we were able to hand out I believe two hundred pairs of aviator sunglasses to folks as they came in through um, the movie theater. So Sparks fly. Uh, that's Keith Sparks. If you um, if you look at our Facebook page for the Capitol Theater, you can see that. Um, if you did not get a chance to see it last weekend, please come in and see this movie. It, Mike, I'm telling you, usually sequels are not any good. This one is almost, in my book, it's as good, if not better, than the original. They did a fantastic job of bouncing back and forth and bringing the old into the new. Mm-hmm. This is a great storyline. Um, I was chewing my fingernails a couple times watching it because it was so good, and it was very well done. So kudos to that team there. And, uh, Mike, we're working on uh, the movies coming up later through the 1st of July. Oh, wow. Great. And, uh, you know, Freedom Fest is coming up. I know I already played the commercial for that, but Freedom Fest is coming up July 1st and 2nd. We are uh, expecting some pretty cool names like uh, Crowder on Friday night and Justin Moore, Rodney Atkins on Saturday night. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, man. We've got so much coming up. Um, I, you know, it, it's just hard to uh, remember everything that uh, is going on. So, anything else you want to add? Anything going on that hit the historical society? Uh, we're open every Sunday afternoon from 2 to 4. Uh, the sports exhibit is including some of um, Tim Belcher's um, jerseys. Is, and I saw that went well with him. Yes, it did. Yes, yes, Mr. Belcher, you were in there and uh, signed autographs two weeks ago, I believe it was, and we had a real crowd in here, so <clears throat> that was that was a good exhibit. But if you want to see that exhibit, uh, get in here on Sunday afternoon between 2 and 4. Um, it's time is running out. Yeah, well, I'm sure you guys have something. Oh, 
Have you decided what's next? What's that? Have you decided what's next? As you get rid of the sports exhibit? I I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> you just don't want to share it. The, okay. the, the people on that committee don't don't share everything with the president. Well, I don't blame them. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame them at all. So, anything else going on here for the county? That's all that I see, Joey. I'm sure there's more things going on. But All right. As normal, folks, if you have anything that uh, you would like to send to us, please send it to morrowology at gmail.com. And, Mike, you know what time it is, right? Oh, I'm going to hold on to my seat. It's time for the flashback. All right. Get okay. stable footing, Mike. Oh. Don't fall over. Oh, goodness. Yes, I'm better now. Um, I'm taking us back to 1873 and 1874, and I think I have found where the rivalry between Mount Gilead and Cardington started. Okay. And I'm going to read some articles, some notices that were in the local papers uh, back at that time. And I'll start off with this one from the uh, Morrow County Independent. Public notice. Notice is hereby given that a petition will be presented to the legislature at their next session to be held at the City of Columbus in the state of Ohio, praying for the removal of the seat of justice in the county of Morrow and state of Ohio from the town of Mount Gilead to the town of Cardington in said county. That was October 23rd, 1873. 1873. Huh, 1873. that's a long time ago. That, that's a while back. Um, there was some uh, people from the Cardington area were saying that... Uh, the jail and the uh, courthouse weren't in the best of condition. And uh, so there was an inspection done. And this was in the Independent, October 30th of 1873. The courthouse at Mount Gilead now stands on leased ground. Cardington proposes to release them. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure which paper this is, but I'm going to read most of this. We are informed that a petition for the removal of the seat of justice from Mount Gilead to Cardington has been presented to the legislature and referred to the proper committee. Should that bill pass, the legislature and the people of our county be called upon to ballot on this matter, we ask them to remember some things and many things. Remember that if a majority of the voters of this county should be induced to vote for a removal that it not that it that is not all there is to do to get the county seat at Cardington remember that a removal implies new public buildings at an expense to the county of Joey get this say $150,000 or about 35 or $40 per head to each taxpayer of the county hmm. remember that to make Cardington the county seat you are doing a gross injustice to the people of the northern and northwestern part of the county, as well as to the people of Mount Gilead, compelling them to travel away to one side of the county to pay their taxes and attend to any litigation which they may be so unfortunate as to have. And remember, too, that Mount Gilead and Gilead Townships claim an acquired right to the county seat, acquired as it were, by contract with the supreme authority of the state in paying a large portion of the cost of the public buildings, and that is one case which is proposed, which it is proposed to have decided at the seat of justice where it now is. The almost useless litigation and expense instant to and growing out of a tale of this kind ought to and certainly will convince the people that they had better let well enough alone and therefore let the seat of justice remain where it now is and of right ought to be. <laughs> so I think, I think people need to know, sometimes, especially that far back, the English that was used during writing is not at all what we speak That's today, true. and sometimes it's very hard to read. That's true. Um, here's one that was in the Union Register, which, of course, was in Mount Gilead. Cardington and her petitioners, the little village down the creek 
toward the Marion County line, known as Cardington, has raised some funds, and now a few persons who can find nothing else to occupy their time are dogging about the different townships in our county with petition to be presented to the legislature, praying for the privilege of putting the county uh, to an enormous expense of removing the different public buildings in Mount Gilead, a beautifully situated town of nearly 1,300 inhabitants in the central part of the county to the village of Cardington down in the southwestern portion of the county, which numbers about 1,000. That these petitions are in circulation we know from the fact that on Thursday we received a note from a friend in Iberia stating that the Cardington epidemic had reached that town and the little shavers of Iberia were having a glorious time on 10 cents apiece. The boys all signed the petition and got that amount for their respective names. This they consider as a just compensation for the use of their names, and so does Cardington. If someone can conceive a plan by which the devilish little spot they call Cardington can be brought upon intimate terms with the rest of the world and quit her unnecessary howling, he will be given a crown in glory. That's from the Union Register in February of 1874. Wow. Man, maybe this is where the original Morrow or Mount Gilead and Cardington... uh, Rivalry? Rivalry came I from. I think Holy it very moly. well could be. Um, I'm going to have to spread this over two or three weeks, but uh, I'm going to read at least one more uh, article from, let's see, this is from the Sentinel, uh, February 19th, 1874. We, the jurors of the grand jury at the February term of the Court of Common Pleas, A.D. 1874 within and for the county of Morrow, have the honor to report to the citizens of Morrow County that we, in pursuance of their request, have carefully examined the courthouse and jail buildings of said county at Mount Gilead and that we find the same in good condition. There was a complaint that the buildings were in bad uh, condition at uh, the, the courthouse and the um, jail. So they, they sent a committee to go check it out and make sure things were suitable. I can imagine, though, bad conditions then were a lot different than bad con- conditions now. Yeah, <clears throat> that's for sure. Um, February 26, 1874, uh, The Independent. And again, that's the paper that was in Cardington. The verdict of the grand jury at the February term, 1874, with regard to the courthouse and jail, published in the Sentinel last week as an argument in favor of Mount Gilead holding the county seat, is the thinnest thinnest thing on record. The same report has been made for 20 years by every grand jury that have sat in the county, with one or two exceptions. If they had reported the privies in good condition... (coughs) You know what a privy is? A privy? No. It's an outhouse. Oh. If they they had reported the privies in good condition, we think they would have stretched the matter a little. Our cow stable is cleaner than they are. Wow. That is harsh. (laughs) Very much so. Um, I think I'm going to stop there today, and we'll we'll continue on this next week. And I will tell you, at that time, they went back to the state of Ohio, and I'll tell you how that ended up. And um, it gets, I mean, we even get attention from uh, Bucyrus Forum and some other newspapers over this argument of 1873 and 1874. I think that is incredible. And you know, you said 1873 and 1874? Correct. So uh, that was like less than 10 years after Lincoln was killed. Oh, that's true. That's That's that timing that we're talking about here. That is before most of the downtown buildings were built, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. So the Capitol Theater was in 1894. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's still even 20 years away at the earliest. So uh, still impressive. Joan of Arc in 1431 was burned at the stake for heresy. Um, as of uh, May 30th of 1431. Um, i trying to think here. I think that's all. I think that's it. There wasn't much that uh, that came out this week as far as that goes. So, uh, Mike, let's flash back to the present, shall Here we? Here we go. Hold your seats.
All right, Mike. So we are now. Uh, trip. We are. We're pretty far into the uh, to the podcast here. We're fifty minutes. We had a fantastic je- uh, guest, Jody Keller from Central Ohio Trauma Systems, the associate director there. Um, any parting words there, Mike? Oh, you know you what? Didn't look up at you. Didn't I'm give not us prepared. Any, uh, you didn't give me any. Oh no. Any puns? Mercy okay. me! How That's... can we go without? Um... <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about you, but in my humble opinion, I find puns about small nails extremely tacky. Wow! All right, folks, we are going to leave you on that one right there. <laughs> no more. That's enough. Uh, sorry, this one's late again, but we will be recording on Monday nights. But because yesterday was a holiday, Memorial Day. Um, and I read a cool article about not saying happy Memorial Day. Right. You need to remember and honor those who gave their life so that Correct. we can live in the free world. And that is right. And I want to go back to the saying, though, you know, the, the flag does not move because of the wind that blows it. It moves because of the breath that was given for it. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Um, so with that being said, folks, give grace to each other. Remember, everyone is fighting a battle that you may not know about. Um, and, uh, Mike, have a good week. You too, Joe. And, uh, we'll see you guys later.